Hello, everyone. My name is Samantha Schrader, and um, I'm a grateful believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, I'm going to be reading the Celebrate Recovery 365 Daily Devotional. So let's get started. Getting rid of the stains. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 8 through 9. When we moved to our new home in Colorado, we had to have the water tested. This house had, been, had not been lived in for quite a while, so we wanted to make sure the well water was safe. The test results told us that the water was safe to drink, but we would have to watch the iron and magnesium levels. Unless water has extremely high concentrations of these minerals, they are not hazardous to one's health, but they can be real nuisance because they stain everything orange or black. Upon further investigation, we found out that with the proper filter, both these minerals could be eliminated. So we installed the filter and immediately our water was pure. It took some work to get rid of the stains, but in time they began to fade. This reminded me that when we turn our lives over to Christ, forgiveness is immediate and complete, just as the filter immediately purified our water. But it will take some work to get rid of those stains that sin has left in our lives. The good news is that God is there to help us as we work to clean up our lives and relationships. We will help, uh, he will help us break the silence and give up the secrets. He will wash us white as snow. Prayer. Father God, Thank you for purifying my heart and helping me get rid of the stains that sin has left on my life and relationships. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My name is Alyssa and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who's been freed from the chains of addiction and I still struggle with obedience. My name is Audrey. I'm a grateful believer in Christ and I celebrate my recovery from heroin addiction. I still struggle with bipolar disorder. Hi Audrey. Realize I am not God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. Happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. Matthew 5, 3. Earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. Happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Matthew 5, 4. Consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Happy are the meek. Matthew 5, 5. Openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. Happy are the pure in heart. Matthew 5, 8. Voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. Matthew 5, 6. Evaluate all my relationships, offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me, and make amends for harm I've done to others. Accept when to do so would harm them or others. 
Happy are the merciful, Matthew 5, 7. Happy are the peacemakers, Matthew 5, 9. Reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and, the, and to gain the power to follow his will. Yield myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others, both by my example and by my words. Happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. Matthew 5, 10. Good morning. My name is Bev Howard. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with being vulnerable. But that does not find me. I'm a child of God. Uh, it's my pleasure to announce that to Celebrate Recovery is now starting with their eighth year. Uh, this has been, which is a miracle, yes. Uh, we're th we praise God for that and for the lives that we have been able to touch, walk with, and uh, Hurt with, cry with, and laugh with. Um, I'm doing this for you. Part of testimonies is part of the work that we do with Celebrate Recovery. If you come to Celebrate Recovery, we every other week, one week we will have lessons. The next week we will have a testimony. Uh, these people, Amber, uh, Amber Bedcalf and Carolina Martinez, have my deepest respect because this is not easy to come up here and to give a testimony of your life. In fact, I have to be honest as I stand up here. It took me four years in Celebrate Recovery before Vicki Lee got me to sit, come up and give a testimony. So, uh, because I would say to my husband, I might do it to CR, but I'm not doing it in church. So understand, standing here is a, it's a big risk, and it's a big step of faith for them, and I, I applaud them for that. So it's my pleasure to introduce the first testimony, Amber Metcalf, who is coming to share. Uh, I've known Amber for the last two years personally. We've worked through step studies, and I've been, had the pleasure of t uh, teaching her youngest daughter, Alice, uh, to play the piano. So Amber comes to share her testimony today, so will you please welcome her? Hey, good morning. Oh, I love the interaction with crowds. I uh, teach for a living. Well, they call it training. I don't teach children, I teach adults. Because uh, uh, like Philip said, he teaches children through music and fun and games and I am not that person. <laughs> so I choose to teach adults. All right. So, thank you guys for coming today. I'm going to start with, uh, it's just a short testimony. I'm not going to take up too much of you guys' time. Uh, I just want to talk about three things, just three. I want to talk about quantum physics, psychology, and God, uh, because those things fit together perfectly, don't they? Um, if you don't think so, <laughs> you're right, they don't. But we're going to try to give this a shot anyway, all right? I'm going to try to connect them. Uh, 
let me give you a bit of background. I did not grow up as a Christian. I didn't grow up in a church. I didn't give my life to Christ until 2012 in this church. Uh, so growing up, you know, science was a really good way to understand the world around me, all right? And uh, when I gave my life to Christ, I always uh, believed that science uh, was uh, God's way to communicate with us on his creation. And psychology was us using our mind to make the connection between God's creation and God. Um, so uh, first, let's start with uh, quantum physics. Physics uh, tells us at the most fundamental level, everything in the universe can be described as a, as a vibration, a wavelength, or a frequency. Uh, this includes people. So if you're not quite sure what wavelengths and frequencies are, uh, you think of AM, FM radio, right? Stronger the wavelength, we could uh, hear that particular station better. Uh, as uh, we drive uh, far away, the wavelength gets weaker and we get like static and stuff like that. Um, the next thing is the force of attraction. Uh, the force of attraction is when one body uh, draws something uh, closer Due to its uh, due to its attraction, this is not the you know kissy face. Oh, he smells so good. Not that kind of attraction. Okay, um, it's uh, something a little different. If you want to think of magnets, uh, positive and negative, they uh, draw <coughs> draw each other close. Um, but what I'm talking about is a person that you are willing to follow or gravitate towards. You're willing to follow them. You're willing to change your beliefs, your actions, and your attitude. You know, kind of like how people follow Jesus. Uh, let's move on to psychology. In psychology, uh, there is a frequency that people have uh, that's the highest emotional vibration. This is, this is according to Spain. It's a scale of emotion that psychologists use. Uh, this is kind of like a personality trait that people hold. And in my head, the strongest trait that people would hold would be love, wouldn't it? I mean, that's what God calls us to do. That's why we follow Christ. It's one of the biggest things in the Bible is to love others. Uh, Romans 13, eight through 10. Oh, no one anything. Except to love each other. And for those who love others has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And other commandments are all summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor and therefore is the fulfillment of law. Unfortunately, love is not the highest vibration per psychology. According to psychology and according to the Spain scale, authenticity is the frequency with the highest emotional vibrations that a person holds, even higher than love or any other emotion that we have. Now, when I was studying this, I personally disagree. The word authenticity does not show up in the Bible. 
I hit control F, no records found, okay? It's not in there. Being authentic is hard, guys, it really is, especially for me. Being authentic means that your actions and your words and your feelings and your beliefs, they all line up. And if I'm being honest, I'm not a very authentic person. I smile when I'm not happy. And I pretend to be someone I'm not when I'm trying to build relationships with other people or when I'm talking to another person. Um, one of the examples is uh, I come in every Sunday and the first person that I generally see is um, me. And she always smiles at me. That's how I'm doing. And I smile back, because that's what we do, isn't it? I'm doing fine. She asked me if I'm sure, because she knows I'm lying. Because <laughs> um, uh, I convinced myself that when she asked me, it's just something nice to say. It's just how you greet people. She doesn't really want to know what I'm feeling, what I'm doing. You know? She'll ask me, hey, Amber, how you feeling today? And I'll be like, yeah, hang on. That's the last 30 minutes of my life. <laughs> she doesn't want to know that. No, she does. But I don't tell her. Um, I got this shirt at Walmart, seven bucks, very cheap. If you guys can't see what it says, it says, it's fine, everything's fine. And then there's a guy on fire. <laughs> and that's just uh, kind of our default, isn't it? Fine. Um, when I talk to people, I'm so scared that they're gonna see all this baggage behind me. You know, all of my mistakes, my fears and my anger and my guilt and my shame, what people have done to me, what I've done to other people, what I've done to myself. It's very hard to be authentic, it's almost impossible. I don't want them to see that about me. Unfortunately, not only does the Bible say how important being authentic is, it has more verses about being authentic than it even does about loving one another. We lead imperfect lives, and we carry these uh, crazy negative emotions, you know? So how do we get people to follow us? How do we get people to follow Christ? How do we get people that we know who need recovery into recovery? It seems kind of impossible, doesn't it? Uh, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you an additional story to the stories I've already told you. Um, I had this really good friend, and I've known her for a decade, and uh, she was very religious, and I probably spent more time with her because we worked together than I did uh, with my own family. And a little while ago, she passed away. And, uh, you know, I was sitting and I was thinking about her, you know, because I missed her. And I had a dream that night. 
And the only thing I remember about this dream specifically is that she was sitting in the chair and she said, Amber, it's not about us. It's about God. Now, this isn't one of those things where I think she spoke to me from the dead or anything like that because that's not an un something uncommon that she would say. She would most likely say that to me, you know, while I known her because she was a very, very big Christ follower. But that's it, isn't it? That is how we're going to be authentic. Being authentic means our focus when we minister to others, when we talk to others, is uh, going to be centered around Christ. What the Bible says about being authentic is uh, why it's so important for us to focus on Christ and not on us. That's how we succeed and that's how we're going to be authentic is when we're Christ focused. That's how uh, we minister to others. Let it be about Christ and let it be how we fight our own demons and our own guilt and our own shame by letting us focus on him. Uh, there's uh, too many verses in the Bible about authenticity. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, for me to read to you guys, but I'm just going to read two. All right. So 2 Timothy 2.15 says, uh, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed rightfully handling the word of truth. And John 8, 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide by my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Um, maybe this doesn't apply to you. Maybe you are an authentic person, and if you are, I really do applaud you. If you struggle with authenticity like I do, please come. Please come on Tuesdays. We have great food, we have great people, and we laugh, and we cry, and it's the best thing. Okay. But for now, I'm actually going to turn it over for our next testimony. It's going to be brilliant. Carolina? I'm Liz, grateful believer in Jesus Christ, who's a recovered addict who struggles with anger and anxiety. This next person I'm going to introduce to you is, um, she inspires me. She's such a good person, and she, her, she's growing so much in her faith with God and her, with her struggles with her tangles and habits. She also helps mentor to the women here in the jail and has gone through the drug court program. Um, so we all help me welcome Carolina Martinez. Everybody. Good morning. I'm a little nervous, so bear with me. <laughs> well, uh, my name is Carolina Martinez. Um, I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with self-esteem, but that does not define me because I am a child of God. I was born in Portales, New Mexico. I was a farm laborer at a, at a young age. I had a good childhood summer of times, but I survived. My story of getting lost in the darkness began at 11 years old. 
I began stealing alcohol and cigarettes from the adults. When I turned 13, I was raped. The man took my virginity and the, the little self-respect I had. I was also very overweight, so I hated myself. So to be cool with the party crowd, I started drinking, smoking, smoking marijuana and snorting crank. I started my real text hard life at 15 when I found myself in abusive and toxic relationships. I found my love for cocaine at 25. I was hooked. I live to party and work. In 2013, my best friend, my father, passes away, taking half my heart with him. My using gets worse, and at one time I questioned my life, but I knew I had to keep living. My abusive relationship also got worse, <clears throat> and I wanted to die. But in 2015, I got really sick, and I had to go to the doctor, and to my surprise, I was pregnant. I was so happy, I, I hoped for a fresh start. It didn't happen. I continued my life and my baby girl was born in February. To an addicted mother that suffered from depression due to being in an abusive relationship. I made the excuse that my pain was, was, was bad, so I started a new drug called meth. The fighting and abuse got pretty bad. And at this time, CYFD was also involved. They took my daughter from me several times. We were also homeless at this point. My second blessing came in the form of another baby, my son. CYFD came in four days after he was born and took both my children. And both my children were taken from me. I was in and out of jail and at the same time I was trying to get clean. I lost visitations with my children due to my using. But had had a lot of failed attempts. I would carry my baby's ultrasound pictures with me to keep my faith strong. I also picked up more charges and more probation. At this point, I felt like dying. I wanted to give up, but, but there was a CYFD agent that would not allow me to quit. He helped me to get into rehab, which I left in 10 days, because I found out I was blessed with, with, a, third, with a third son, with, with a third child, another son. I wanted to change, but I couldn't find my steady ground. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was sent to do 195 days in county, in the county jail, but instead of turning myself in, I got in a fight with my husband and kept getting high. I hated myself. But one day when I was beat up and defeated on the floor, I wanted to just close my eyes and not wake up. But the Lord had a different plan for my life. He showed me a tunnel with the light at the end of it. And I heard someone tell me in Spanish to go to jail and when I got out, everything would be okay. So I did, as I, I did as I was told. I went to turn myself into the jail on July 4, 2018. When I was being walked into the cell, I realized the tunnel was the jail hallway. I was speechless. While incarcerated, I was accepted into drug court. My son was born in October while being incarcerated and was taken from me at the hospital. I was released in January on probation and drug court. CYFD still had my children. And then when I thought my life couldn't get any worse, my brother passes away from an overdose. I wanted to give in to my addiction, but the Lord held my hand nice and tight. I made it with prayer and hard work. 
and support of my recovery family from Celebrate Recovery, Alcoholics Anonymous, and Narcotics Anonymous. My kids came home in August 2019. I became a graduate from drug court in March 2020. I am now a mentor for CYFD and, and some of the courts. I am an alumni support person for drug court. Also a lady that had seen me go in and out of jail knew my recovery story. She offered me a job at the detention center. I declined. I declined because I didn't have my GED, but I told her I would try to get it. So I achieved it. I, I did get my GED and now I work for a MAP program for which is a re-entry for, for, for inmates. Um, and now I am a peer support specialist and I work my recovery by serving others. I know that the Lord is not done with me. At this time, I have over five years in recovery. I take it one day at a time. I am thankful that I have had victory for all these days, including nights and weekends and yes, even holidays. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for letting me share my story. I am Mike. I'm a grateful uh, believer in Jesus Christ who knows that I have been forgiven and who will be forgiven uh, as I go through uh, each one of my days. Uh, the, the, who should come to CR? I mean, that's probably a, a question that so many people ask. And, and uh, I remember uh, so many times that uh, in the past, not necessarily now, but so many times uh, people would say, oh, you know, that, that CR program, it's pretty good, but it's for those people. It's for those people. And... Uh, you know, I was one of those people. And to be honest with you, if you were really honest with yourself, if you were really authentic, you would find out that uh, you fit the description of who should come to CR. Because it says anybody that has a hurt or a habit or a hang-up. So I want to be transparent and set up here and say, uh, understanding that I'm setting, I mean... This is holy ground. This is holy ground. Whoever sits here is speaking on the behalf of a holy God. And so I understand that my habits, such as I'm a worrier, I'm anxious, I'm fearful, and because of that I am very proudful, I have a judgmental spirit, but I know that I've been forgiven. And I get the honor, the honor and the privilege of introducing our last individual that's going to give a testimony about his family. He's going to do it in a short period of time, but he's got a family that really, really means something to, to the Howard family. Uh, actually, uh, he and I, our, our relationship has grown uh, in the last uh, year or so, a little over a year and a half. But uh, in our conversations, I re realized that he was one of the individuals that signed off on my evaluation when I was working at the university because he was the head of the, he was the dean of education. So I'd like to introduce to you my good friend, 
my brother in Christ, uh, Dr. Jerry Harmon. Thank you, Mike. I am Jerry Harmon, and with my wife, Becky, have been asked to share our family's experience on how our daughter's journey, Alyssa Velasquez, has been impacted due to her participation and acceptance of the Celebrate Recovery Principles and her willingness to accept Jesus Christ as her savior. I can easily answer that in one word, really, Celebrate Recovery at First Baptist is a godsend. And Becky simply says, you know what? Nothing else seemed to work. And as Amber said earlier, even though I'm going to introduce my family a little bit, this is not about us. This is about God and the acceptance of Jesus Christ and the principles and the forgiveness of Celebrate Recovery. Let me first begin with our family. If you are not aware of who Becky and I are, Becky is a retired hairdresser who owned and operated the hair company Salon. And I, as Mike said, am a retired elementary professor and former dean at the College of Education and Technology at the university. We also have four other children, Ty, Tad, Alex, and Zach. Alyssa is the oldest sister in her mid-40s and all of the boys are now in their 30s. And so let me say, in the spirit of CR, let me state that Becky and I are extremely proud of our daughter, Alyssa. And we stand with her every day as grateful believers in the Father God, Jesus Christ as our Savior, and the Holy Spirit that dwells among us here and now. Alyssa has stood before you on two separate occasions and shared her 25-year story of addiction. So I will not dwell on that story other than to provide some context for our family's perspective. From the age of 13 in Aberdeen, South Dakota, until her late 30s in Portales, New Mexico, she attended a few treatment centers, went through detox at various times, had one very serious automobile accident, and was jailed here in Roosevelt County. However, let me be clear that contrary to this record, she was creating a foundation for the rest of her life because during those difficult years, she also demonstrated her workplace abilities as an employee with the Super 8 International Headquarters in Aberdeen, South Dakota. She also managed a Super 8 motel in Silver City, New Mexico. She gave birth to her two sons, Macy and Hayden. She earned her high school GED after dropping out of Aberdeen Central High School and graduated from New Mexico State University with a bachelor's degree in business. So please excuse my visual effects but our family's emotional roller coaster looks something like this. There was the real true Alyssa, the healing, the trust, and then 
relapse. And all of a sudden, the drugs were talking, not Alyssa, and so on and so forth over those 25 years. For the longest time, as Becky reflects, nothing else seemed to work. Early on, as a family, we continuously prayed about the question of how to support Alyssa and our other younger children, and later, how to support her and her children, all without enabling her addictions, or in other words, how do you keep your family from falling into the codependency or into being totally dysfunctional? Folks, when I reflect back on that, I'm not really sure I can stand here today and tell you how we made it. The only thought that seems reasonable now is that we all, including Alyssa, had an internal flame of faith somewhere, somehow, that kept burning with hope and daylight. And this actually reminds me of Proverbs 31:18. Her candle goeth not out by night seems to describe what I am trying to say. Then something lit that flame in her and she turned the corner with CR. The day she was let out of jail, we decided that she will just need to start from scratch on her hope, on her own, with as little help from us as possible. So to make this part of the story very short, we turned her away at the door that first night and sent her back to her own home, even though it lacked the basics. I can't recall much about these first few days and weeks, other than that she began to work cleaning houses, went to drug court, attended her very first CR meetings, and reunited with her children and us. So either the Holy Spirit reached out to her, or she reached out to the Holy Spirit. Either way, it doesn't matter. It was a match made in heaven. Now, as we celebrate her recovery, please understand that without First Baptist Church support of, her, of the CR mission that provides the opportunity for God's purpose to be reunited with each individual who attends, this all would not have happened for Alyssa and for our grateful family. Her six-year now sobriety path is now a steady climb to career, career promotions at Hapton Peanuts. She is a leader in faith at CR. She now takes her health very seriously. She has reestablished a comfortable and loving home for her two boys. She has challenged her legal affairs by overturning her conviction on appeal and expunged her record. And she is now, and excuse my cliche, but she is the godmother of all of our children and quite frankly, all of us too. And finally, now Alyssa celebrates an absolutely new love to her life. Her, grand, her granddaughter, our great-grandchild, McKensley. We have always been proud of her accomplished before CR, but especially now as she fulfills God's purpose in her own journey through CR. In closing, please know that Celebrate Recovery is not just a one-off and be gone program. 
Temptations keep knocking at the door. Evil is constant in the world. And overcoming and according to the CR principles, we are all powerless to our tendencies to do the wrong thing. However, success breeds more success, celebrations mean more celebrations, and the fellowship among and between CR participants means that God's purpose is renewed each and every day, every week, if not all the time. So keep it going, First Baptist. Please keep celebrating and forgiving these folks who are recovering today, tomorrow, next week, next year, and so on. So thank you for listening. God bless. Celebrate recovery at First Baptist. And a special great thank you to both Bev and Mike Howard and Vicki and Ron Bannister for their leadership. Thank you. When Jesus talks about why he came, one of the things he goes back to over and over again is, I, I didn't come for the healthy. I, I didn't come for you people that think you have it all together. You're fine on your own, at least so you think. What I came is for the people that need me, for the sick and the hurting. The thing that's challenging about that is so often we don't think we're sick because we look really good on the outside. Or at least we try to look really good on the outside. And we think in our minds that as long as we can look good and as long as we can have the right words to say and as long as we can stand up on stage or sit in pews and people can look at us from the outside and not think anything bad, then we're fine. But each one of these stories are not stories you heard today and thought, oh, I can't believe how broken they are. Because that's not what God does. Because God takes us and our brokenness, each and every one of us, because we're all broken. And when we bring the pieces back to him and we just hand them over, he begins to place them all back together in a far more beautiful mosaic than what any of us could ever do. And maybe that's your story. Maybe you're out there saying, man, those, I, I want to experience that. And it would be great to invite you to CR, and that is all on the table. But here's my real invitation, because it's the one that Jesus is extending right here and right now. Come lay your brokenness before him. Come hand it over in faith and he will pick it up and take your broken life and turn it into a sanctuary. To turn you into a place where people can encounter God because you become a person who has encountered God. So as we wrap up, I'm going to have a couple folks from our CR program stand up here. They're here to pray with you if you want to pray.